Do you have trouble turning off your brain meat at night? I invite you to take a break from your thoughts and listen to ours for a while. This is Overthinking with Steph. Quit overthinking alone, overthinking with Steph is better. We're overthinking together. Well, that was stupid. Let's come up with a whole new intro. Oh, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, friends. Hello. Hi. Hey. Here I am yet again, recording after a rainy day in my loft. If you are just gracing me with your presence right now on episode three, I want to say welcome. Thank you. I hope you'll go back and listen to the six to eight episodes in the first season. Those conversations are really important and these are going to be more conversational podcasts, but you know, we're in the pandemic. So these are quick solo episodes about my thoughts and maybe one day in the future, we'll revisit all of these mini episodes. Josh and I do a breakdown of the episodes on my Patreon and we still are continuing to do those, but I don't know, maybe I'll have a guest on um, after someone listens to these solo sessions and maybe it'll resonate with someone and they'll want to go in a little bit deeper with me. That'd be fun. This is my first time doing this. I don't typically ask for anything. I don't like asking for help. I don't like needing things from people. But this is crucial, super crucial. Because I don't do ads on my podcast or make money from the podcast, it is, a, it is an investment of time and energy. And I love doing this. I really enjoy it. What would really help me out is number one, if you will go to Apple Podcasts from your computer and leave me a review, let me know your thoughts. If you wouldn't mind, you could do it anonymously. Or if you want to go on my Patreon and contribute, you know, two, three, five dollars to have access to the breakdown and other content that I'm creating, that would be just swell. And I would give you a hug right now if I could. I have taken a good two days to go off the grid. And usually when someone says they go off the grid, they're on this like nature walk or like a hike somewhere beautiful or in a cabin in the woods and they don't have reception. Off the grid to a lot of people, including myself, has meant being somewhere that doesn't allow for reception on your cellular device. But choosing to go off the grid while remaining in your normal experience is an interesting situation. I still found myself feeling guilty like, oh my gosh, someone's going to text me and need me or, you know, I'm not, I'm going to miss an Instagram message or a comment or an email. It was hard, but for almost two days, which doesn't seem like a lot, but I needed to go off the grid. In the past, that could mean me just like going on the little moon, do not disturb, which is a big one because when I get text messages, even the sound of a text coming through if I have my phone on ring gives me this rush of anxiety. This time I turned my phone off. I don't remember the last time I actually turned my iPhone off. I didn't even know how to do it. I had to Google, how do you turn off? I don't even know what generation iPhone I have, but whatever I have, I had to Google how to do it because it was different than five generations ago. And I think that might be the last time I turned my iPhone off um, was five phones ago. Cool. I'm interested to hear how many of you actually turn your phones off, like power them off. Um, I did for the last two days with no explanation to anyone except Josh. I needed some time. So Josh came over. We were very safe about it. And we decided to record a breakdown episode of season two, episode one, Saving Yourself, which I had no idea 
would be so difficult for me. No idea that that would hit the way that it did until we started recording. And I just listened to it. So I edit the podcast episodes and Josh has been editing the breakdowns, which has been really good because mostly this episode, I was having a very, very difficult time. And if you do um, follow me on Patreon, you'll be able to listen to that. I break down in tears. And I don't think that I've, I I mentioned in the episode that I hadn't cried in like two months. I don't know that I've ever cried in front of Josh. I don't think so. Yeah, that was, um, that was something that I wasn't ready for, but it needed to happen. So I told him when he left, I just said, I'm going to send you this episode. I cannot listen to it. I just need you to, I need to trust that you got, you got this one covered. And he did, but we got into a lot of very real emotions, feelings, And that kind of works into this episode of feeling your feelings, what it's like to not feel your feelings or to be told since you were very, very young that you, you put on a happy face no matter what. And that is a scary place to be. I will say um, I'm still there. I still very much have a hard time accessing any sort of feeling in my body. It's like I can think I ha- I have a feeling, I-, I recognize that it's a feeling, and then it's it's like panic mode of, oh no, well, I don't, I don't think I'm going to deal with that, or I don't have the capacity to deal with that, or it's an immediate switch that's like, okay, that's a negative feeling, I'm going to put on a happy face because that's what I was supposed to do. And I could feel myself sitting there in this episode with him just writhing with like, anger and resentment and not at him but very much into these these feelings that I um I knew I needed to process so I gave myself a couple days to write about it to just sit there and figure out what I needed to say um because I was (laughs) immediately like well we're not putting that out there I cried I cried I can't let people know that I'm a human being that goes against everything I stand for um but I definitely question I can't put out the process. It make it makes me scared that I'm putting out my process sometimes because I don't have the answers for everyone. I never claim to have the answers for everyone. I never even claim to have the answers for myself. I am just actively trying to figure out how to be better, how to confront really hard topics about myself and my childhood and religion And things that shaped me into the adult that I am and take ownership of that really evaluate what my purpose on this world is. Because if it's for other people and living for other people and what they have said that I need to be, that's not a very good and fulfilling life. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that. So I want to get into the topic of being able to feel things or maybe feeling too much. There are a lot of extremes. A lot of people self-medicate. Maybe they drink to numb their feelings. I, in the past, have found relief in having a glass of wine, having a couple glasses of wine, in order to feel things, in order to allow myself permission to even have a feeling. That is not healthy. That is not healthy. And I want to talk about it. I am not saying that I have figured it out or I figured out a healthy way of, of having a relationship with <laughs> my feelings yet, but I'm here and I'm talking about it because I think that's important. And I realized that when I asked people on Instagram about their feelings and what I found out from all of you. 
And then I want to share an anonymous message that I got from someone who I, I grew up with in church. And I think it's really going to hit home for a lot of us. So I asked my followers on Instagram, when was the last time you cried? There are usually around 2,000, maybe 3,000 people who watch the story. And about, I would say, 300 generally on average respond. And a lot of people's answer was right now. And I wasn't expecting that. Of course, we were going through a global pandemic. So a lot of people are feeling so many things right now. Then I decided to ask, who has ever cried while scrolling through Instagram? 74% of people said that they had. 26% said they hadn't. That is a big number. That caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting that one. Do you feel any shame around crying or feeling in general? And that was a good almost half and half. 45% said yes, they feel shame around crying or feeling in general. And 55% said no. The other question was, do you feel weird about crying in front of other people? 71% of us said yes and 29% said no. After crying, do you typically feel better or worse? 86% said yes, they feel better. 14% said they feel worse. Another question that I asked was, where do you typically cry as far as a location? A lot of people said alone in their car. Some people said that they would cry in their shed, out back, or in nature somewhere. I cry in my shower, a good shower cry, if I do cry, which is pretty rare, but when I do, shower. All right, I'm going to take a moment to read this DM that I got from someone I grew up with in church. And the fact that I get messages like this really confirm that I'm in the right place talking about these difficult conversations that are very hard to um, maneuver my way through. But ultimately, it is helpful to know that I'm not alone in this and that there are other people going through that same thing, even if we're at different parts of our process, because we're all unique. So this person said, thank you for being a safe space to process and talk. I know a lot of shit has happened and you've experienced a lot of hurt. I feel with you deeply. I'm thankful if you had some victory over the situation. Despite all the crap, you're still a safe place for others, including myself. You offer hope and a space for understanding to so many people just by being authentic and open. Your willingness to discuss what most people won't and get into messy thoughts and feelings, I think, enables people to have hard conversations within themselves and possibly with others and unwrap the process of healing. That's difficult to get through. I'm not very good at taking compliments, but that, that one meant a lot. Here's what she wrote. This is in response to my question about feeling feelings and having access to those feelings. And she responded to me saying, do you think this has anything to do with our religious culture and upbringing? And I said, yes, very much so. And then this was her response. She says, I think the parenting style and Christian culture was focused on telling me what to do, what to think, what's right, what's wrong, correcting anything that could be perceived as unrighteous. And it didn't allow any room for the human experience. It didn't ever say, what's your experience? What are your thoughts? What do you feel? What are your questions? Yeah, I hear that. Let's talk about it. That's valid. I care about you and try to have an understanding of you. Being essentially removed from the equation of life as a person with individuality because all things must equal a specific religious standard, I think instilled in me a principle that my thoughts, my feelings, and processes aren't worth experiencing 
or at the very least didn't equip me to even be aware that I am an individual who is entitled to my own thoughts, emotions, questions, and perspectives. I was essentially taught submission and compliance. This is the way we do things and think about things and behave because it keeps you righteous, in quotes. Anything outside of that and there's shame and punishment. There is so much fear in the religion I grew up in. Everything is about control out of fear that someone or something will go wrong. In my experience, that stripped me of my personhood and my ability to experience or express it in any form because I was afraid of the repercussions of not fitting into the mold I was told would save my soul and give me a good life. I've had to unpack all those beliefs, discover who I am, and reevaluate and rebuild my entire belief system. I've had to find grace and forgiveness for the ways and for the people I feel I was in some way robbed by. I have to continually establish healthy thoughts and ways of life so that this is my battle and never my daughter's battle. I'm so grateful we get to be more than our history, more than our upbringing. I'm so glad we get to be powerful and create the life we deserve. I'm so freaking happy that Jesus is not who I was taught he was. Hugs. That is important. Being able to save ourselves, but then also being able to make a difference and change the pattern. We are changing things when we take responsibility for who we are right now from this point forward. Like we talked about in episode two, there is blame to be placed. Definitely. Of course. And going to therapy and talking with someone who is a professional about issues surrounding that that blame once you feel like you've worked through that taking the ownership but then creating a new life for yourself that is fulfilling and happy but then changing that pattern and being different for the future generations right that's so important and we talk about this pandemic and all those memes going around with that match with that one singular match being pulled down and away from that string of other matches catching on fire. And that is what makes all the difference. That one person that chose to do something different, that chose to have those harder conversations and deal with themselves so that they can feel alive again and then also bring a new perspective and a fresh way of living to their kids and the future. And what brings me hope is that these conversations, I hope, spark something down the road right now tomorrow. I don't know when that's going to happen. We are going through this together and can be a support system for each other in this and realize we don't have it all the way figured out. We don't have to. But what we do owe to ourselves is that happiness of knowing that we have a fresh life right ahead of us. We don't have to punish ourselves for feeling something. A lot of times I have punished myself for having a feeling Even if it was like negative, any type of feeling, I have to go into hiding and torture myself mentally. And like, what are you doing? The shame, you know, surrounding feeling and being stripped away from being an individual and a human being. That was not something that I chose. What I do choose now is in whatever way that I can access those feelings, sit in them, be present with them and understand that they are part of Steph becoming a full Steph. And I need to do that. I need to do that in order to feel fully alive. I'm so happy you're here with me. Thank you for the anonymous contributor to this. Thank you for everyone who wrote in on Instagram. I truly, truly cherish every single one of you. And I will talk to you soon. Well, hey, thanks for overthinking with Steph. 
Can't wait to hear from you on the social. So make your way over to at Steph's podcast on Twitter and tell me your thoughts. Catch the breakdown on Patreon where we get into the nitty gritty and overthink the conversations in this episode. Until next time, keep creating scenarios that will never actually happen and live your one damn life. Don't you hate it when you wake up first thing in the morning? Mind is stirring. It's a wreck. The one thing I would say, cool your jets, go to bed, get out of your I think that it takes it to a whole new level of being with yourself when you don't have your phone on. So not only self-isolating, but then taking it a step further to turn your phone off, it really leaves you in the moment with yourself. Being mindful of what I do want to do throughout this process and what redefining productivity looks like. Actually having answers for myself. I want to talk about things that set my soul on fire. Are those things that I'm making a living from, are those different things? Am I making time for those things? So I had pre-ordered a while back uh, a book by Matthias Roberts called Beyond Shame, Creating a Healthy Sex Life on Your Own Terms. It just sat there. I know I've talked about this before. I ordered it and it just sat on my shelf and it has to be the right time and I have to have that feeling in order to move forward with something. Well, a couple days ago, it was that time I read, I got about halfway through the book, highlighting all the things, um, really just try, trying to <laughs> dig super, super deep into why I feel the way that I do, why my body reacts the way that it does, and really getting to unpacking layers of me. You know, it can be easy to spot certain things that you're doing or reactions and know why we do them. Like, I have that part of me figured out. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, that's just what I do. I understand that. This is why I'm doing it. But really going a step deeper and wondering if all of those reactions to different things and patterns that I have, are those because of like this underlying thing? And what is that thing? And are we scared to go look at that right in the eye and be like, hey, I'm here for you. You're affecting so many areas of my life. It's time to get a hold of this. You know what I mean? So sex is one of them. Intimacy, connection, loneliness is one of them. Saving people, productivity, all of the things that I'm talking about or doing my best to touch on in these solo episodes in um, the first season as well. You know, anxiety, anxiety. so many things and reactions and responses and it's comfortable to keep going on with what we know and what we've always done because that's just who I am but is it right like is it who I am I highly doubt that that answer is no for myself I think it's what I've gotten used to and what people have gotten used to seeing but I think it's this false self that I've created in response to certain traumas from when I was younger. Now it's going into what those traumas are. I I feel like I have to make a diagram, like I have the chart, like a whiteboard just for, you know, all of those layers. But it can be scary. It can also be, you know, triggering again. And I'm learning all of that as I go, sharing pieces of that with you. There are parts of it that are 
kept to myself that need to be protected and private. But there's a lot of it that I think many of us struggle through. It's one thing to see someone who maybe presents in a way um, that they have it all figured out. You know, life coaches and I love that. I love looking to like Mel Robbins and, you know, there are so many women that I respect and who have helped me out, but I don't always want to see the end result. It helps me knowing that not everyone's perfect because I grew up putting on a perfect face and so did most people around me. I was used to seeing this perfection um, and this mask and this facade and this false self being presented in a way that was authentic. And it messed, it messed me up because I thought what was authentic was fake. And it's, you know, it's the opposite. So here we are in the process. I'm glad you're here with me.